Guys, go back with me to Romans chapter 8, and we introduce a subject. Well, actually, it was introduced really last week, but um, it is a subject of great interest, I think, to God's people, and, um, and I hope there will be some words of help for you uh, concerning it. Romans uh, chapter 8, I, um, I want to draw your attention that verse 18 begins with the little conjunction for, which is always something that connects it to the, to the statement before it. Um, so I want to re- begin reading in verses 16 and 17. Really, 18 is our discussion tonight, and um, I guess I won't read any more, but this is a whole body of material, and i explain in just a minute. But verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I think you can see the connection uh, as he introduces the subject of suffering in the, in the latter portion of verse 17. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified, for I consider that the suffering. You can see the connection between the two texts. Uh, the, the point simply is, verse 18, folks, um, and beyond, actually, um, probably around verse 25, maybe including verse 26, uh, this is a section where Paul deals with the subject of suffering among God's people. In one sense, folks, this is his uh, classic statement on the question of suffering. It is his opus concerning the subject uh, in all of the New Testament. If you consider Paul not to be the author of the book of Hebrews, which, um, which I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews. I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but I don't think it was Paul. Um, you know that great statement in in chapter 12 about um, difficulty. But uh, if you consider Hebrews written by somebody else, this is the opus, Pauline opus, on the subject of suffering. It is an appeal on his behalf uh, to to God's people to, to make a comparison. And to, um, to, to notice and recognize the great disproportion between the sufferings endured in this life versus the glory awaiting us. That's what this, that's what he's, that's his major line of argument, ladies and gentlemen. And he's, he's calling you to compare the, um, and, and to notice and recognize and appreciate the, the, the large disproportionate uh, relationship between the, the present sufferings with that which has been promised that awaits us. Um, the Bible gang is filled with the rumor of hope. A time where there's no more pain, no more tears, and... Um, Paul is asking you to consider that with the, with, in, a, in, a, in a very significant way as you consider this subject of suffering. Gang, this, this, is, a, this is a section of Scripture, a, a collection of verses that cries out for more than, than mere exegesis. If you know what exegesis is, gang, um, there, there's, if, you, if you buy commentaries... There is such a thing as an exegetical commentary, and then there is such a thing as a devotional commentary. 
You can, in fact, there's a whole series of what, what is known as exegetical commentaries, and, and I'm telling you, wading through them is, is, um, is a task, because what they're going to do for you is they're going to take the Greek statement, and they're going to tell you what the tense of the Greek verbs, and they're going to tell you the declension of the Greek, Greek nouns, and they're going to try to let you know uh, what, um, what is joined to what, and where the conjunctions are, and, and how the, uh, the, the, um, the voices uh, affect the meaning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's going to give you a wonderful treatment of um, the, the exactitude of what is being said. What I'm saying is, this passage cries out for more than that. Um, I can stand here in the next couple of weeks, and it'll take us a couple of weeks, and, um, and I can tell you all about the tenses of the Greek verbs, but, th- but you want more than that. I don't blame you. Uh, this, is a, this is a big subject, the, uh, the, the subject of suffering. Um, and, I, and there's a lot in here, gang, that we'll, that we'll take a look at. But understand, that's the subject. That's a, this little paragraph has to do with suffering, the, the role of suffering and how to respond to suffering in the life of the Christian. And, and I say to you, this is, there's no place else in the New Testament that treats it quite like this and, and quite this extensively. This is a Pauline opus on suffering. And, and, and having said that, I would say to you in addition that verse 18 is, is just so much blather were it not written by somebody like the Apostle Paul. If I were to write this, folks, it, 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 it couldn't have the amount of weight that it has when you recognize who it is that wrote it. You do know, don't you? <laughs> The kinds of things that were faced and endured by the Apostle Paul. This is a man that knoweth of what he speaks. Here, here is a man that is involved in, in, in story after story and incident after incident of, of all kinds of various sufferings. And it's he that has this to say to, you, to us. Uh, I'm saying that because it's Paul writing it, it has more weight. It has more uh, force to it, knowing that this man endured what he endured. I haven't endured. And so for me to tell you, uh, yada, 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 you know, that's one thing. But for Paul, uh, it's, it's quite another thing. So uh, he's introduced the subject. And uh, so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is, what, how is a Christian to respond uh, in, in, um, in a time of suffering, what is it that enables us in the midst of it to say something that resembles verse 18? Um, what is it that can give you a note, a hint, a smidgen, a modicum of triumph in the, in the, in the pain that we uh, endure? And, in, 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 endure it we will. It's just a question of when it's your turn. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk several weeks about uh, how is it that we are to rightly respond? How is it possible for us to rightly respond? How can we have a measure of triumph in the midst of our sufferings? So what I want to start with, um, I want to start tonight with um, uh, looking at some negatives. We're going to st- maybe cover some negatives tonight and some positives next week. Maybe we'll, I don't know how far we'll get, but... Um, um, in terms of how we are to respond, there, there's some things that we cannot do. So we're going we're gonna to list some, some negatives um, in terms of a, of a legitimate response to suffering. 
The first one is, no surprise. That is, in the face of suffering, gang, um, we should never be surprised by its entrance into our life. It is the way that has been appointed for us to enter the kingdom. If you will note, gang, back up in verse 17, which is a, a, an interesting comment by the Apostle, Apostle Paul. Um, he's talking about how we can be certain that we're joint heirs. And he says, if indeed we suffer with him. That is one of the characteristics of all of God's people. One of the characteristics that gives us a, a sense of confidence that we're real is if we... Um, we suffer with him. So there should be no surprises when this erupts in your life. And a gospel and an evangelical movement that doesn't tell you about this, ladies and gentlemen, is, is lying to you. It is not telling you any peace that you have that comes at the expense of removing the, 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 the certainty of suffering in our lives is, has not done you any favors. So, first thing. No surprise. Still less than no surprise should a Christian ever um, be depressed by it. No depression as a result of our sufferings, guys. Um, you know, I'm not talking about all the chemical imbalances that might occur, but I'm just saying in an in, in a, in a initial response, um, depression is not permitted. You know, gang, early on in the Christian, in the, in the Christian church founding, the, the Christian church made quite an impact on her, culture, on her culture by the way that she endured suffering. When, when for instance, and this is historically verifiable, uh, um, when, when plagues hit the ancient world, the normal response to a citywide plague was to everybody to evacuate the city. The, one of the ways that the Christian church took such a hold on her culture is that in the midst of the plague, while everybody else was leaving, the Christian church was staying. The Christian church was uh, touching suffering, was touching plagues. It was, it was, it was going to minister in, in spite of it all. Gang, the non-Christian world watches us as we suffer. What is the difference between the way we suffer and the way they suffer? You know, I've said this before, my, my buddy Steve Brown is always saying, for every one Christian that gets cancer, for every, one, every non-Christian that gets cancer, there's a Christian that gets cancer. Because we can show them the difference as to how we respond to suffering. You know, I, I, um, I think we fixate on our sufferings, ignoring the, the, the great sufferings of Christ on our behalf, as if ours was the only... Um, Suffering experience. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that is said in Hebrews 12 that wasn't written by Paul is you haven't endured to the, to the shedding of blood, have you? But we are um, caught up in our own and um, somehow forget the great sufferings that were endured on our behalf. So, um, no depression allowed. Third, no doubt. That is, uh, the temptation in the midst of uh, pain is to uh, doubt whether God loves us, which doubt whether we're, we're saved people, uh, doubt uh, the, the goodness of God, the power of God, all those things. None of that's allowed, folks. Um, 
in, in one real sense, your suffering is not a question of, uh, it is not a, um, it should not raise questions of your certainty. It should, uh, it should be part of the provision of certainty. No doubt allowed. And then, fourthly, there is um, no promise that you can expect of deliverance. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came tonight? Um, there, there is no such thing in, contained in the New Testament, folks. Um, now, it, 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 that is, I, I, maybe, that's the, maybe that's not the best word. Maybe there's no promise of, maybe this is a better word, relief. I cannot come to you and say, oh, but it's going to be over soon. I, I don't know that. And I have no biblical grounds. Uh, Jesus never promised his people uh, an easy time. And he never put a time limit on things that we would endure. You know, folks, um, it was Karl Marx that called Christianity the opiate of the masses. Uh, we're still dealing with, um, with accusations today that Christianity is, uh, is, a, is a kind of a drug. It's kind of a, a crutch. Well, I don't know where they got that from because they certainly didn't get that from the New Testament. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will. That's what it tells us. That's what it told us, guys. So um, in, in, in responding, understand this should be a part of what prepares us. Um, and um, finally, in terms of negatives, uh, the call is not to some mere resignation. Um, as if I was some kind of um, um, stoic. Um, the, the call to us is not simply to grind it out. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not enough in terms of our responding to, um, to suffering. Now, guys... Um, This is going to, one of these little buttons really does a trick up here, and I'm not sure which button. Um, <laughs> dang buttons. <laughs> um, well, that's bad. I just erased everything that I was doing. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep it up here. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, since it is erased, we might as well go ahead and erase the rest. Yeah, uh, so those are negatives, guys. Let's, we move to the positives. All right, all right. But let me before um, before I really get there, let me let me. I want to say two things in terms of just kind of intro. Okay. Oh. Well, it's supposed to keep doing it. Oh my! Hold on. <clears throat> this happened. <laughs> this is not. This is not. Fair. Okay. All right. Um, uh, positives. Okay. I got this. Um, just, just a couple of words in terms of introduction. Guys, first of all, the approach that Christianity has to suffering is completely uh, different from um, at least the, the isms that Paul faced in his day. For instance, uh, our call is not to stoicism. 
Um, you know what a stoic was. He was the one that uh, kind of tried to grin and bear it. Um, it today, um, Buddhism and uh, Hinduism um, deal with suffering through an escapism. Uh, they, they ignore that it's even present. They say it doesn't even exist. And then the, the, uh, the, the other uh, non-Christian response is that of fatalism. That's, our response are not these things. Those are responses that people have chosen, but that's not a Christian response. Stoicism, escapism, fatalism. That's not who we are, folks. Um, the other thing that I want you to see in terms of an introduction, and I don't know where to put this, but this is huge, folks. Just huge. I, I, I Look at the text. This is kind of an intro, but, um, but I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul does. He, he begins by saying... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not uh, worthy to be compared. Now, here's the point. Notice he says, I consider or I reckon, some of your, your translations will say. Folks, um, you and I are to arrive at certain conclusions and responses in the face of suffering that, are, that we come to on the basis of logical, rational, reasonable reasoning and thinking. The first thing that you need to know concerning facing suffering, it is, it is going to be based on something that you do um, in terms of a rational response. Paul says, I consider... The purpose, folks, or, or the, the, the right response to suffering is going to be based on thinking through and making application of certain things that we have, have committed ourselves to believe is true. The purpose of teaching, well, the purpose of preaching is, is not to produce some kind of soothing environment so that everybody can have a feel-good experience. The purpose of preaching is to teach you to think based on the great doctrines that are taught in this book concerning the Christian faith. That is what we're supposed to be doing, helping you understand what it is that is taught, and then in response to those things that we believe and have been taught and have committed to as being true, we respond with those things in mind. Folks, the, the, the approach of the Christian to suffering begins with a return to the things that you believe to be so. And then we work our way out from there. I, I would have you also notice that what Paul is teaching here in verse 18 is only for Christians. He says, um, uh, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That is, it, it is only the people who believe the great truths contained in here who can derive the comforts embedded within them. What he is, the, the, the first step is that you and I, in light of the doctrines, in light of the truth, in light of the propositions that we have drawn from this book, in light of those things that we have already agreed upon as being true, I then deduce from those things, step one, step two, step three, and step four. I must return to the things that I have been 
taught to be true and have committed myself as true um, and then respond accordingly. Guys, it, he begins, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing this from his opening statement, for I consider, I reckon. What the Apostle Paul often does is call us to an application based on things that we believe are true. And that's what he's doing here, folks. He is telling you that there are some things that we've got to be reminded of that we believe is being true. And those things will equip us to respond in a biblical and Christian fashion to this great issue of suffering. Now, let me show you one of those. Um, How is it that we as Christians respond to suffering? Look at the text. For I consider, here's the first thing that he wants you to be reminded of. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Gang, in terms of how do I get, how do I steal a measure of triumph in the midst of my difficulty? First of all, you must have a correct, a Christian view of time. What Paul is doing in verse 18 is asking you to compare the finite versus the infinite. I consider the sufferings of this present time not to be compared to the glory that awaits me. The first step, ladies and gentlemen, in wrestling through our own sufferings is to have a biblical Christian view of Time. You know, there's two terms in the, in the New Testament for time. Uh, one is uh, chronos. The other is kairos. Chronos, uh, we get our English word chronometer, chronological from this Greek word. A chronometer is a what? It's a wristwatch. <laughs> it's a watch. It's, a measure, it's something that measures time. Well, gang, for the non-Christian, everything that occurs is something that can be uh, understood in terms of the calendar, in terms of clocks. The the, the non-Christian knows nothing except what can be measured by chronos. But we are different people. And the first thing that is needed in responding to suffering is a, is a biblical view of time. There are two. We are, he is asking us to compare this to this and see how that comparison goes. Kairos is, um, um, the, the best, it, there's, there's an English word chirotic, um, but it's the difference between historic and historical. All historic is historical, but not all historical is historic. Um, the, the call, the demand, if you will look at the text, folks, you see what he's doing. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. He is asking you to take a look. He is asking you to remember this in, infinite disproportion between this present time, chronos. And the chirotic events, or the chirotic time that will include glory. That's the first step, guys. The Christian is aware of a division of time. 
Notice this present time. It really means this present age, this, this, this life, whatever. But folks, he is appealing to you to remind you what you are experiencing now doesn't compare. Doesn't compare with that which awaits you. Uh, he's comparing it to the glory which is to be revealed. Uh, the glory which will be revealed in us. That is the great event to which the whole Bible looks forward, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible points us frequently to this glory that which is to be revealed. This other chirotic moment. The whole of the Bible looks forward to it, folks. This, this period of time which which will be ushered in with the second coming of Jesus Christ. The, the, the manifestation of our Lord in glory. The, the return of, um, um, of, the, the, of a reigning king. The day, all of that, ladies and gentlemen, what he's asking you to do in handling your suffering is to compare this with that. He's asking you to, to respond based on on things you know to be true concerning time. There's one time, and um, it's this present age, and we're suffering in it. And he says, but that doesn't compare. Guys, let me, let me, um, let me, let me do it like this. Um, let me try to, let me try to, walk through, which I hope will help. Um, you hear of a couple whose son has just been killed in Iraq. And they, um, they're, they're overwhelmed with grief, and understandably so, and, but you hear them saying things like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Um, uh, I don't want to live anymore. Our, our life is over. Um, uh, you know, our, the thing that we live for is gone. Our treasure has been st- all those things. Um, how are we going to live um, with without him? And 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 so time becomes uh, this grand burden, um, and it seems to drag along. But if you're a Christian, you're supposed to have a different response concerning that event because your understanding of time. Yes, um, we, we look at time differently. We have, a, we have a, a view of time that enables us to handle uh, that which is dealt us. And, and as we consider, uh, we might have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years more uh, life But Paul is saying, I know that might seem long now, but here's what you must do as we respond to our sufferings. Compare that to infinity. Compare that to a million years. That's a lot of years. Well, multiply it by another million, and then another million, and then another million, and, and consider eternity. Guys, that's exactly what he's doing in verse 18. I consider, 
I am in the midst of thinking through my own sufferings and what I'm doing to think through and help me have a measure of triumph is that I'm comparing what it is that I'm enduring right now and I'm comparing it with that which awaits me. You know what um, James chapter 1 says about our lives, don't don't you? He calls it a vapor. It's a... It's a it's a breath. It's an exhalation. It is nothing in comparison to eternity. I'm not trying to any way minimize anybody's pain. I'm trying to give you a biblical method of responding to it with a measure of triumph, with a measure of victory. And this is the Pauline prescription. He says, all right, think this through. Compare this to that. Um, today, what we experience, um, it might seem interminable, but set in the context of eternity, it becomes more bearable. Um, the great reality, ladies and gentlemen, of that which awaits us, eternity, this eternal state to which we are going, the, the comparing of our present sufferings to, to that is, is part of the methodology of dealing with sufferings. One other thing, and, I'll, and I'm through. I want you to note that um, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice that this glory um, to be revealed is in us. We're, we're, not really, we're not merely spectators of this display of glory. We're not, we're not onlookers. We are going to be partakers and sharers in that glory. Gang, part of the glory is what happens to us. God's people are a part of the manifestation of His glory. This is a glory that is going to be revealed in us. When all of that glory is on display, you are going to be a part of it. That glory is manifested in us. Now, with an eye cut towards that, that's the first step. That's the first thing we do, is that we, we compare the, um, this, this outrageous disproportion between the sufferings of this present time to the glory that awaits us. That's our first step in a Christian response to suffering. We'll come back and look further next week. Our Father, I pray that you will use your word to comfort your people, that there might be a measure of um, lessening of burden as we remember what we've been promised Oh God, might the truths to which we have committed ourselves become the things that are our solution to our, to our sufferings. Remind us once again, Father, that what we're doing now is just the dress rehearsal. The real thing happens later. And that is infinite. Might might the sufferings of the finite 
be swallowed up in the promises of the infinite. Might your people be able to pull that off as the world watches us handle our difficulties. We pray, of course, in the name of Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. Thanks and good night.